Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So the uh, title of this talk is The Light Brings Out the Darkness, The Darkness Brings Out the Light. We're living in uh, pretty intense times lately. And uh, seems like, and uh, we've we've talked about this uh, in recent times. Um, so much um, of the big three: greed, hatred, and delusion. That's the big three in in Buddhist teachings: attachment, aversion, ignorance, greed, hatred, and delusion. The the source of all suffering. It said in the the human heart, greed, hatred, delusion, and this play between um, the archetypal good and evil, or the good guys and the bad guys, if one could put it so simplistically, um, is. Uh, is part of the human condition. It seems like it's part of the the curriculum that we're here on earth to figure out whether it's movie scripts or plays or um, books and dramas or all um, all literature and entertainment, every action movie. The theme is basically that dance. So there's always this tension, um, except that um, in these times the stakes are a bit higher because we are, uh, we've mastered so much power that it can be used either for good or for um, greed, hatred, and delusion. Uh, And um, it can be so discouraging. I wasn't here last week. Kate was here last week, and we talked before she was uh, going to come in and give the talk uh, about hatred. How many people were here for that talk last week? She talked about hatred and... We talked a little bit about it before because uh, the Orlando um, tragedy had just happened and uh, it was clear that it was probably on most people's minds. And between that and just the awful... Um, um, Tragedy in England, where the, um, the the Prime Minister Joe Cox, former Oxfam worker, uh, 
and humanitarian uh, was um, was gunned down because she was uh, pro-immigration and remaining in the uh, in the um, European Union, um, whose vote was just today, and it seems like uh, England is uh, United Kingdom is going to stay in the European Union, but how um, how common that the good, the humanitarians, the the inspiring leaders are often the ones that uh, become martyrs. That's almost the definition of, of a martyr, um, a hero or heroine who's fallen. <clears throat> so there's, there's so much hatred. It's so rampant and um, fueled by fear that there's violence and the greed leading to planetary self-destruction, on and on. I don't have to tell you. Um, it can be so uh, lead to such despair. What is this world coming to? But um, if we look more deeply, there's um, perhaps another perspective that, that can hold this archetypal interplay. On the one hand, it's true that um, heroes become fallen heroes, whether it's Jesus on the cross or Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Lincoln, that there's something very threatening about goodness that for people who are um, confused and caught up in, uh, in fear and in othering, it, um, it threatens them and that hatred spills over into, uh, into aggression. And so it's probably you can think of many examples yourself where the light brings out the darkness. And when I say darkness, I mean in, in terms of ignorance, uh, in terms of um, confusion as a, as a, the night, it's harder to see things clearly. Um, and the goodness activates fear and hatred. But if we look more deeply, um, it works the other way around, too. I was thinking about this, how how one, there's a cause and effect at play both ways. And uh, I'm sure you probably remember from school um, Newton's uh, laws of, of motion. Newton's third law of motion. Every action creates an equal and opposite reaction. Remember that one? 
it's in physics and it's in the human heart that um, we get activated and one thing begets its opposite. <clears throat> For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, a basic law of physics and of this universe. <clears throat> and so if we take a look and see, uh, not only does uh, wakefulness lead to confusion, but confusion and suffering leads to wakefulness. That's the good news that sometimes we can miss or forget. Uh, that's what the Buddha discovered as he was investigating suffering. There he was spending six years in the most ascetic practices, practically starving himself and um, through um, self-mortification and wanting to understand the nature of suffering. It was because he wanted so to understand the nature of suffering that he would not stop his quest until he came to the end of suffering. And when he was asked, probably many of you are familiar with this, I've shared it here a number of times, when he was asked what he taught, he said, I teach about suffering and the end of suffering. He didn't just say, oh, I teach about feeling good. I teach about happiness. I teach about how, you know, we can just have a smile on our face. He said, when I look deeply into suffering, there was the doorway to wakefulness and freedom. This is how it works. And the teaching that I've mentioned here a number of times is his teaching on liberation where he says, if you look deeply at suffering, suffering can lead to faith. Not always, but often. If there's teachings or an understanding of how to work with suffering, it can lead to a deep sense of faith. And I've asked this before, I'll ask it here just so that it's it's not just theoretical. How many people have been motivated by your own suffering to look for answers in life, to have some, to find out where true happiness can be found? Anybody? Look around. Yeah. That that's how it works. So you might think, oh gosh, you know, if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job than this. This is some kind of really weird script. But that's how it works. And if you know the, the, the different um, levels of uh, realms of existence, supposedly there are, in one cosmology, there are six different realms of existence, the hell realm and the hungry ghost realm and the animal realm and the human realm and the what's called jealous god realm and then the, the Brahman realm, the, 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 uh, the divine heavenly realms, that... If you're 
in the heavenly realms, the deva realms, it's pretty cool, I'm told. Um, I'll come back and tell you if I'm lucky enough, you know. Uh, And that heavenly realm is in the mind as well. But when um, supposedly if somebody is in the deva realms, they can be there for a long time and um, be just having such a good time that they're not motivated to truly wake up. So there's a kind of trap, even being in the deva realms. You might think, wow, I finally landed, I made it. Except you can, it's not a bad way to pass some time, eons of time, I'm told, but... uh, but if you really want to completely be free, the Deva realms won't do it. That the human realm, it's said in this cosmology, uh, the, the, the great gift of the human realm is that it has both sorrow and joy in, in equal measure, not for everyone equal measure, but it's here as part of uh, this life so that we... Uh, don't get too lost in the sorrow, but don't get too lost in the joy either. And those equal parts help us wake up. Mm-hmm. So, suffering can lead if there is uh, supportive, um, if there are supportive practices and uh, and and uh, understandings and teachings. Sorrow can lead to, it shakes us out of our complacency to, to say, okay, what is going on here? Where can I really find deep peace, lasting, sustainable happiness that's more than just feeling good for a little while? Mm-hmm. And I, I came across this uh, quote from uh, Jesus in the, the Gospel of Thomas, which is... Uh, uh, a more esoteric, um, but supposedly the uh, words of, of Jesus um, that, uh, that have been, that seem to, to have some veracity. In this one line, he says, uh, The seeker should not stop until he finds. That is, the seeker of true happiness should not stop until he or she really finds what one is looking for. When one does find and really see the whole picture, then he will be disturbed. After being disturbed, he will be astonished. And then he will reign over everything. So when you take a look and see, okay, where is true happiness to be found, you're going to be seeing suffering as part of the package. You're not going to be seeing, oh, there's the kingdom of heaven. It was just behind that rock and everything is hunky-dory. No, you will be necessarily disturbed at the whole picture, disturbed in a good way that doesn't have you settle for just feeling good, but seeing and opening to the whole, the whole picture of 
of human experience and life on this planet. And when you are disturbed enough to see, okay, now where does happiness really lie? How can I find happiness, true, a, a sustainable happiness with all of this pain and sorrow? Then you will be astonished at the possibilities of opening to, to it all. And then you will reign over everything. Then nothing will be overwhelming or frighten you. It will be all part of your awakening. So getting back to this mm, ignorance bringing out the light. This is both in a personal um, unfolding the the dark night of the soul as saint john of the cross wrote in our personal heroes or heroines journey where you have to look at the 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 hardships and the the frightening places inside and be willing to face our demons in that very facing them we find a courage and a compassion and a, a wisdom that can open to it all. And the same, not only on a personal level, but on a societal level. And since uh, this is what's been happening so much in, in these recent weeks, I um, wanted to bring this out to explore together so we can hold that bigger picture not with despair, but with um, wisdom and inspiration. Just like with the Orlando shooting, just the outpouring of love and all the, the courageous stands that have been taken. And I don't know if, uh, how many people saw it, um, but this um, uh, congressional sit-in, how many people uh, checked and tuned into that? You know, wasn't that cool? And I, we won't get into party politics. Just as far as standing up for common sense that, hmm, assault weapons uh, might not be good in the hands of terrorists. Yeah. Hold on, Wade, hold on. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. You know, um, Just common sense, but when those uh, congressmen and congresswomen said, enough, can't do just another few moments of silence and say that's that's good enough. Um, there was something so inspiring in in the courage that it took. And and now over these last few weeks, you know, who knows what what when the tipping point is going to be, but it seems to keep on getting closer and closer. And you know that, uh, 
that Martin Luther King quote. Actually, I, I found that it's not Martin Luther King wasn't the um, uh, wasn't the originator, but the quote that's often attributed to him: uh, "The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice." Is actually from this uh, 19th century uh, theologian, Theodore Parker. Um, but the truth is right there. The, the arc, the moral arc of the universe, or the arc of the moral universe is long. It might take time, but it goes in the direction of, of justice, of, mm, of compassion, of, um, of goodness, and we see all the the movements that have happened over these last decades uh, that mm, seemed impossible years before the abolitionist movement, beginning in the eighteen hundreds, from these uh, English Englishmen and English women who. Uh, were uh, up against all odds. That's how it started. Or Nan coming here and saying, "Yes, I, I brought this to the to the council," and uh, just moved by wanting to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Or the the civil rights movement after. Well, there's so many different landmarks, but four girls in Birmingham being bombed, or the 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 Freedom Riders, and all the the scenes when they put the cameras on what was happening uh, with um, with the the protesters, and those scenes awakened something, the conscience of America, and was really the start of, uh, of, the, of the civil rights movement, that it takes those kinds of um, wake-up calls. The Australia gun control, which started in 1996 after a 28-year-old shot and killed 35 people in a cafe, 23 more injured, just like we did, uh, we, we all witnessed a couple of weeks ago, that that turned around um, a, um, a whole country uh, which was very much into rough and tumble kind of mentality. And there hasn't been a, a mass murder um, there was something this past year, I think, but uh, for 20 years. In Scotland, just the same, in 1996, the same, um, just a few weeks before the Australian incident, uh, somebody killed 16 first graders and a teacher, just like Sandy Hook. And out of that, the Brit- Britain handgun ban came. So, and this Brexit, uh, Britain exit, Brexit uh, vote, Joe Cox being assassinated, that definitely 
put a spin in people's minds. So um, when you see the bigger picture, who's to say, oh, that what a what a a terrible waste of course it's a waste of human lives but it has its own action and reaction and that's one of the things that i love about the dharma about uh the especially the understanding around equanimity where equanimity sees the biggest picture where there can be uh, a spaciousness that's not taking one moment in time and saying, oh, this shouldn't have been, but sees over time how there's a rising and passing of, of events, and it's all part of the fabric of life. And here's... Uh, one example being climate change. Now, who knows? Who knows if there's going to be enough time? But from 10 years ago to today, there's a whole lot more consciousness than there ever was. And we have to, unfortunately, it seems, go through these wake-up calls to wake up. And the same with our current political situation where you might say, what? How is, how is this happening that someone can spew hate and bigotry and yet in some way, at least I see it, it's perfect. It's perfect. Because what happens when it's so obvious, when there's no hiding behind mm, a uh, benign uh, uh, um, veneer exterior, when you see for what it is, oh, there's hatred there. Oh, there's xenophobia there. It it shines the light on what's really hidden underneath and it galvanizes. Uh, to be honest, I'm just hoping that, um, that leader can make it to the convention. <clears throat> I'm, I'm concerned that there's going to be an implosion before. And uh, so, anyway, that's kind of my bigger picture. Robert Bly says, every part of us that we do not learn to love and embrace will become hostile to us. That we have to take a look right inside of us and see, we've got it all inside. Uh, I know Kate used a, a quote uh, that we talked about last week. She and I talked about it. I'll, I'll share it again. Not everybody was here. It's one of my favorite quotes from Alexander Solzhenitsyn from uh, the Gulag Archipelago. He says, 
if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? It's right inside of us. This is the, the great tension that we hopefully can come to terms with. It's not out just out there. It's right in here. I'm capable of greed, hatred, delusion, violence, ignorance. Given the right conditions, this mind could be shaped in, in ways that it's not right now. Given enough fear and enough trauma, this mind and heart could be shaped in, in ways that perpetrate hatred and violence. And that's where one of the other gifts of the teachings of sila, of living with integrity, is such a protection. Because it's hard enough, even if you know the precepts, right? It's hard enough, oh yeah, killing isn't good, stealing isn't good, creating harm through sexuality isn't good, being unskillful in speech isn't good, and uh, abusing uh, substances isn't good. Yeah, we know that, right? Anybody ever have any dicey moments with precepts? (laughs) You know that. And imagine if you don't have much of a commitment to living with integrity. The pain that you create in your mind, it's hard enough as it is when you know better, but we're also wired up to go for immediate gratification. And it takes some real practice to learn the power of delayed gratification, which is sometimes what I think the essence of the spiritual journey to learn the power of delayed gratification and go for the bigger happiness that you're not spending too many mind moments afterwards saying, what was I thinking? But just, oh, this feels really good. So that's where sila is such an important container. Sila, uh, living with integrity, is such an important container. Um, But to really honor that it's not just out there, those bad guys. The line between good and evil cuts between all of us. And also to see that when we blow it, when we make mistakes, when we've caused suffering and harm and get activated in, with deep regret or remorse, That's not the end of the story. I mean, it can be if you spend the next 
20 or 30 or 50 years living a life of guilt or remorse. That would be really an unfortunate, narrow way to hold your life. But if you continually are learning, as Julia Butterfly Hill says, as long as we're learning, there are no mistakes. And as the Buddha says, if you've done something unskillful, don't let it go to waste. Notice how it feels and make a commitment to go for true sustainable happiness. Then there's no mistakes. Then that confusion leads to awakening. How perfect, isn't it? You wouldn't learn otherwise if it's just, oh, I've been a good person my whole life and um, I hope the rest of us get it. That's not how we learn. That's not how we learn compassion, real compassion that says, there but for the grace of God or the Dharma go I. So, how to work with this? How to work with the ignorance that's in there? How to see the possibility of embracing it all, embracing the whole package beyond the, the good and bad, beyond the, the world of duality. You know, the, the Heart Sutra, the famous uh, teaching that says form is emptiness, emptiness is form, is pointing to going beyond the duality and to see the biggest picture where it's all part of the fabric of what we're here to learn. There's a, uh, a line I love uh, from Taoist teachings. It says, um, when, when a wise person hears the Tao, they practice diligently. When a mediocre person Here's the Tao, they waver. When a foolish person hears the Tao, they laugh. And yet, if such a one did not laugh, then the Tao would not be the Tao. I'll say it again. When a wise person hears the Tao, they practice diligently. When a mediocre person hears the Tao, they waver. When a fool, a foolish person hears the Tao, they laugh. And yet, if such a one did not laugh, then the Tao would not be the Tao. Because the Tao, the way, holds it all. Nothing left out, as the teaching uh, sometimes goes. This is from Adi Ashanti. He says, um, The deeper we see into the reality of things, the more our heart opens to include everything. Because if we're really feeling into our deepest reality and truth, the heart isn't something that would want to escape from what is here and now. Rather, our hearts are 
are already embracing everything. We can allow our hearts to be big enough to be broken. And the the third Zen patriarch, my favorite teaching that says, the way is perfect like vast space where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. Indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. Do not remain in the dualistic state. Avoid such pursuits carefully. If there is even a trace of this and that, of right and wrong, the mind essence will be lost in confusion. When the mind exists undisturbed in the way, nothing in the world can offend. And when a thing can no longer offend, it ceases to exist in the old way. So, what does all that mean? That if we can somehow, along with fighting for our causes and having a strong commitment that comes out of courage and conviction and uh, alignment with, um, with compassion and wisdom to see that this picture is much bigger. It includes it all. And there's, there's nothing uh, that's not part of this big plan, uh, then we can relax a bit more and embrace it all. Having that wider vision. This is from Pema Chodron. Gloriousness and wretchedness. She says, Life is glorious, but life is also wretched. It is both. Appreciating the gloriousness inspires us, encourages us, cheers us, to, cheers us up, gives us a bigger perspective, energizes us. We feel connected. But if that's all that's happening, we get arrogant and start to look down on others. And there's a sense of making ourselves a big deal and being really serious about it, wanting it to be like that forever. The gloriousness becomes tinged by craving and addiction. On the other hand, wretchedness, life's painful aspect, softens us up considerably. Knowing pain is a very important ingredient of being there for another person. When you're feeling a lot of grief, you can look right into somebody's eyes because you feel you haven't got anything to lose. You're just there. The wretchedness humbles us and softens us. But if we're only wretched, we would all just go down the tubes. We'd be so depressed, discouraged, and hopeless that we wouldn't have enough energy to eat an apple. Gloriousness and wretchedness need each other. One inspires us, the other softens us. They go together. So, to see this in this bigger picture, uh, not only outside, but inside as well, this is a big part of our practice. And 
before we open it up to conversation, just invite you to go inside. And see if you can get in touch with, perhaps touch what is sometimes called the heart as wide as the world that can embrace it all right inside of you. Your gloriousness, your so-called wretchedness, which is really just confusion, your wisdom and compassion, your pettiness and ignorance, your beautiful actions that are gifts to the world, your sorrows and unskillful actions as well. And see if there's access to the Kuan Yin in you that can open up to it all. The Kuan Yin in her relaxed repose that sees all the pain and sorrow and all the beauty and the joy and says, ah yes, this is part of life. It's all part of being human. Can I embrace it all and use it all to wake up? And then moving from the personal to the societal, to the craziness of humanity and the beauty, the love and the hate, the compassion and the cruelty, the wisdom, and the ignorance. Is there a place in your heart that can hold it all? That can say, yes, this is what we're here to learn. a way to open to it all, keeping the heart open and not contracted and waking up through it all and still doing what we do, what we're moved to do out of alignment with the truth inside but not setting up good guys and bad guys Just wisdom or confusion. And see if you can relax into that place that 
doesn't struggle. It can just embrace it and relax in it all. while still finding courage to make a difference in your own way. So we have some time for questions, comments, anything that might have come up from that before we we close. going twice okay and let's um, just end with a loving kindness and uh, share our merit with all beings first appreciating yourself for being here wanting to share some silence and the Dharma with others. There's something in you that calls you to connect inside and to um, want to wake up. How wonderful, how amazing. And just appreciate that you are connected to whatever it is that calls you and wish yourself well. May I open to all the goodness that's inside and share my love well. May I see through the confusion and let it help to awaken me and deepen my compassion for myself and others. May I know true peace and happiness. And then having wished that for yourself, 
extending out in a gesture of generosity to share with everyone in your life. May my practice be shared and be of benefit to everyone I, I know and meet. And may it ripple out to everyone that they know as well and continue rippling out. And may our coming here together and sharing an evening of practice and dharma, may any good that comes from our sharing this evening together, may it be shared for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all know the highest happiness and peace. Thank you very much for your attention. Have a great summer. See you in August. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.